we are now recording and you are now hearing from two uh, middle-aged ladies <laughs> who between us have got two jobs, one each. <laughs> And we're both, so we're both half vaccinated. So between us, we could, we could kind of probably make up one vaccinated person. Could we, Janet? <laughs> Hi, I'm Cleo Flynn. And I'm Janet Elskim. Hello, everybody. So you had your, we talked about this on the cast a couple of weeks ago, you had your first AstraZeneca. And I was, I was griping because I wasn't being called, but then on Friday, they announced, and now it is throughout the islands, that anybody born in 1961 or before who is a legal resident of the Canary Islands could call. There's a list of numbers, um, but if you call 012 anyway, uh, and to make an appointment. And I phoned on Friday mid-morning and I got my appointment for Saturday mid-morning, uh, which was great. And just to let people know, um, because I know I've seen some complaints that it was I went to the Magma Centre in Adek and people said it was crowded and it wasn't very efficient. I imagine that this 1961, like this would be the group who were born between 1958 and 1961. That's a huge batch of people and everyone really would have phoned and they gave lots yeah. of people appointments. Now, I happened to get there about 20 minutes before my appointed time and within 10 minutes, I was registered and seated. And they seem to operate a system of, I got a green card and other people were getting yellow cards. So the green was for AstraZeneca, I think, and the yellow was for Pfizer. Um, now I did have to wait then probably about half an hour, but I had a seat and I brought a book, which I would say to everyone, bring your, your identification papers and bring a book. <laughs> Just <That's, laughs> The book is optional, but I think it saved my mental health because within about 10 minutes, there was a much longer queue just to register. And what they were doing was there's little green dots. So everyone gets to stay the appropriate amount of distance between one another. Uh, and then there are quite a lot of seats where you sit to wait to be called to get your job. And then there is a post job area where you have to sit for 15 minutes. You calculate that yourself. But in the first waiting area, there were one or two people griping and at one stage, a really great kick-ass nurse came over and she just said in the kind of the kind of voice that you I think only have if you're a well well-trained professional nurse she said let's all behave like adults here okay we all want to get vaccinated we have been here since eight o'clock in the morning we will be here until eight o'clock tonight let's operate this in a calm professional way okay so everyone there's enough distance between the chairs there's enough distance between your line and if we all behave properly, we will all get vaccinated and get home. And I just, you know, well, I started to give a round of applause and everyone joined in. And I just thought, well said, you know, just like, don't Absolutely. act like an arse. But yeah, if you're going to behave like children, we will treat you like children is basically it, isn't it? Yeah, and we've all been born, we're all at least 59 years old because... Yes, yeah, so act your age. <laughs> act your age, please. <laughs> And, you know, I get it that some people didn't want to wait and other people felt maybe it was overcrowded, but it was being run by health professionals. There was no overcrowding. Everyone was wearing a mask and it was just literally a matter of follow the rules. We've got yes, this far. You just look, the table's over there and the injection with your name on it is waiting. The actual yes. jab, I didn't feel a thing. 
no, everybody is saying that they di they just didn't feel it, and and some people who haven't had a reaction have said, "Did they even give me the injection?" Well, I, about two hours <laughs> later, I'm looking at the mirror and I'm looking at the going, Hang on, did he miss? Because I don't even see a little dog. Um, couldn't hit a barn door, but hit managed and to miss your arm. I had deliberately cleared my day. I mean, I normally on Saturday I clean the house. So that was all done. So I went home and got out my faithful book and kept reading my Marion Keys book. Um, and I think that's yeah, good advice to people to take a book, take a book in case that, or a, or a magazine or something. Oh, exactly. Um, and with the magma, we are hearing these two different versions is so there is obviously some logistical issue with magma mass vaccination center that isn't happening in other mass vaccination centers because you're hearing two things people are saying i was there 10 minutes and then i had had my vaccination went in and waited a quarter of an hour yeah. and then was able to leave other people like you and someone on my website said they were there for i don't know best part of an hour or so but i didn't and, care you know I, I agree with you. I think, you know, you just turn up and, and you wait. It's, it's not yeah. really a problem. Yeah. I mean, I did um, think from, from having had appointments recently in, in the Hospital Sur El Mahon, where you can't even check in until a minimum of 15 minutes before your, your appointment. That's right. I wondered that's right. if having arrived too early, they'd actually mm. tell me to go back outside and wait, but they didn't. They were great. I mean, you get a number and you look for your number and then you go. It does suggest you bring a translator with you. But the procedure is so simple. You are asked really what year you were born and you, you hand over your identification and they print you out a, a, a coded number and then there's big screens and you sit down, you wait for your number to be called and that's it. And then at the jabbing area, they will probably ask you four or five different questions about allergies, if you're on any medication. I mean, standard stuff, really. Yeah, if you can't bring a translator, work out the, the answer to these questions before you go and you're fine. Yeah, yeah. It, it is a very straightforward um, procedure, and they have organized it, to my mind, stunningly. I mean, my own husband is having his second visor tomorrow. Okay. Three, three weeks to the day from Perfect. when he had the first one, which is absolutely the right thing. They, they have got this. Okay, there was a slow start. We all know there was a slow start. Yeah. But they have now, by their own, Carolina Darius, over the last few days, the national health secretary said things are now going i mean you, you can't always translate the idiom but basically she was saying things are steaming ahead now yeah because they've yeah. got they've not only got a a whole bunch of supplies they have more coming in constantly from the eu and the eu has just announced enormous future supplies that have been ordered from oh, Pfizer Pfizer. And Moderna. yeah yeah and over a billion they have actually announced that they're not going to be ordering any more AstraZeneca at all throughout the EU from June, but they are they are so well supplied with Pfizer and Moderna that they actually don't now, need them. My initial reaction when I saw that was, but they will have enough for our second dose, which I assume... Yeah, likewise, because I had AZ to begin with, and yeah. that was my reaction as well. Will they have enough? The answer is yes, they've got tons of AZ here already to use. Speaking of that, Janet, we before we start to record today, myself, yourself and Cheryl, who was with us last week, have three different experiences of how the second dose works. I mean, I yes. was given a piece of paper with the date and a time for my second dose. Now, I do have to ring 012 to confirm it three days beforehand, but it was very specific. 
and it's in eight weeks time you you weren't yours was slightly vaguer yeah it was it, well considerably vaguer it it was um it'll be about sort of 10 to 12 weeks or, or whatever or eight to 12 i think she said it would be sort of end june beginning of july that is when cheryl who had hers i think it was about 10 days to two weeks after i did was told mid-july so the time period is consistent yeah it's just that i was told i would be called and she was told that she should call and i wonder if that's because i went to el mohan so i was arranged through 012 and you got cheryl was you got a message for your vaccine, whereas I phoned up to book mine. That's right. That's right. And in fact, we had a message on the mobile, an SMS text message to Jay Anscombe. And this is why I had to ring 012, because my husband is Jay. Jay Anscombe as well. And we didn't know which one of us it was, it was for. So we ended up ringing, but it was nonetheless from 012, from the central. Okay, okay. Um, whereas Cheryl's was arranged through the health centre. And so I wonder if that's because she was told that um, she would have to ring the health centre to find out that's exactly correct. when to go. Even though it would be mid-July, she would have to ring to know. I was told they would ring me. So we're all having slightly different experiences. They're all very consistent. Well, they're all valid. And they all seem to be linked to how we were contacted in the first place. Very much so. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I must say, I feel perfect. I, First of all, there was a huge sense of relief when I left the Magma Centre. Uh, I and I feel very confident in the procedure. You know? I, I, I think it, in a way it is, um, it's interesting. I wouldn't say amusing because it's all too a bit fraught to be amusing, but it is interesting how we've all had different experiences, very subtly different experiences in being contacted, but also reactions to the injections. Yes. And, yeah. You know, yeah. my husband had the Pfizer, but you had AZ, I had AZ, Cheryl had AZ, I know a lot of people who had AZ. And we've all reacted sort of differently. Yeah, yeah. And it is very interesting to speculate as to why. And I don't think even the experts themselves know no, quite why no, no. there is a difference in such such a difference in, in reactions. I felt terrible for 36 hours. Yeah, um, course, and I did worry having had such a major operation last year where I would have been on yes. blood thinners afterwards. And I mean, I had to self-inject blood thinners yes. in my system for two weeks, would that have relevance? Nothing. You know, okay, God forbid that something's going to happen to me tomorrow, but I, I think after 48 hours, you know, I can breathe a sigh of relief. Absolutely. They say that the main reaction to the injection is going to be within 10 to 24 hours after yeah. you've had it. I had a row with my daughter, but I mean, that's just standard for a weekend. <laughs> She's a teenager. <laughs> Nothing to do with the injection. <laughs> okay moving on i mean we can let's bridge this into the next topic which is the hoary old one of travel because um i mean again your post bag my query section has been apart from vaccinations are now the people are getting vaccinated um travel and again we're back one of the issues that we're back to is that there are two at least two countries um, making rules here. One is England and one is the United Kingdom and one is Spain because people, first of all, were waiting to see would Spain go onto the English green list? It's not, it's on the amber list. But even so, we're saying, 
well, once it's on the green list, I can travel to Spain and then finding out, well, no, not necessarily. Actually, you can't. Can yeah. we just explain this again to people? Yeah, I, I had an email only this morning from someone who says, I've booked to come over on the 21st. Can you tell me what rules are in place? I know I need to wear a mask. And I'm saying, I'm sorry, you can't come. You might have booked your ticket, but, but the UK will let me out. Yeah, but Spain won't let you in. Mm. You have to be allowed out of your own country. But you have to look, you have to be like the Roman god Janus. You have to look behind you and in front of you. But see, I was if thinking you, are, more, you were going for Greek mythology and I was wondering, is there a no man's land somewhere up in the air between different countries these days where people are just kind of in a holding pattern until the country that, that they want to go to can let them in? And obviously people continue I to- I think play. they're called airports. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> smart and there's, and there's and there are greeks there as well greek. <laughs> so we're going to call it janice anscombe from now on um <laughs> i mean with the irish situation as well our irish people are still asked not to travel they are you yeah. know legally advised not to travel yeah. but we're talking about august perhaps i mean listening to irish politicians over the weekend they were saying hopefully by the end of july beginning of august travel can resume now again i presume that means travel in both directions because i Absolutely. want to I mean, <laughs> all, all we can do really is say you have to look at your own place to see if you can leave it and all we can do is say what the situation is in spain yeah and the situation in spain is that eu nationals may come with a test if they are from a country deemed to be at high risk but that if you're coming from outside of the EU, there is only a very small list of countries who will be allowed in, and the UK is not one of them. Not one of them, no. Nobody may come into Spain until, at present, the 31st of May. Unless that might they are a resident. Unless they are legally resident or have a reason that is Acceptable. provable and deemed to be essential. Mm -hmm. We've gone over before the list of what we think are acceptable reasons to allow people in who, ha who aren't resident i mean looking after a very sick relative or i mean I, I don't think we need they're on your website and people can find them on other websites that's absolutely right i was just going to go and have a look at them and i don't see why people can look for themselves yeah i mean everybody knows what false measure is <laughs> all right so what we do need to talk about today though what is new today is that as we flagged in advance the official spanish state of alarm ended on saturday Yes, um, now, the big question people wanted to know is what does that mean? And what it has meant is that there is legal confusion here in the Canary Islands. That's really <laughs> yes. because yeah. the re okay, you can, I'll lay out the way I think it is and then ask you to kind of go into it. The regional government wanted everything to pretty much stay the same. From what I understand, they continue to have the right to impose or legislate or regulate opening and closing hours of bars and restaurants and nightclubs or whatever and that will continue to probably be 12 o'clock what at the moment is in legal doubt is who can say whether there will or won't be a curfew now is that more or less where we're at that's absolutely spot on um, one thing before we before I go into that, the question of face masks. I've I've seen some questions about whether face masks. Just to clarify, face masks are not part of this at all. Face okay. masks are face masks are compulsory throughout Spain by Spanish law 
until the government says otherwise. Okay, and that so will be when and that will be when the government says COVID is over. So at the moment, there is no question of face masks. They are compulsory. It's nothing to do with the Canarian government. It is national law. Everybody in Spain wears a face mask if they're over six. Okay. Wherever regard, they are, outside their yeah, home. Exactly. You, you can remove it for certain, you know, exemptions, but um, otherwise you have to wear one. So the face masks don't come into this. What we're talking about is group numbers, tiers, levels, of alert for the islands, travel between the islands, and of course the curfew. Now, all of these measures were, the regional governments were empowered to pass these measures within the framework provided by the state of emergency. That's the Estado de Alarma. That came to an end on Saturday night. And therefore there is no legal framework to take people's liberty away because this is a free liberal democratic society and there has to be a legal framework if you're going to impose restrictions on people's personal freedom. Without the Estado Alarma, therefore, the courts had to approve this legislation. And so the Canarian government passed the law, took it to the courts, asked for ratification, and the court said, yes, but when it comes to curfew, we don't approve that because you don't need that. Okay. Because because the only reason you need the curfew, really, is because you're worried that people will drink too late. So, you know, close the bars. The bars are already closed at 11 anyway. Where's your, where's your problem? But they are. You, you know? And, of course, the Canarian government says, yes, but people have to go home after, after the bars. And we don't want them hanging around the promenades and the Paseo Maritimo and the plazas and the parques and... So what has happened now is that the courts have said yes to some, no to others, in particular the curfew. And so the Canarian government is appealing to the Supreme Court right. to support its, um, its measures. Now, this means that the measures the Canarian court approved are already in force. That's levels. We are in level two. The government has the power to set levels. That'll be reviewed every week. And the group numbers that are appropriate, the social group numbers that are appropriate to any level, they are approved as well. So there is absolutely no doubt that for the foreseeable future, Tenerife will be in a particular level. At the moment, it's level two. Mm -hmm. And the rules for level two are groups of six. Level three is groups of four and so on. And so that is all in place and the Supreme Court now has to decide what it's going to do about the curve. The, the rules are quite clear for groups and levels and the curfew is the big question and if the Supreme Court approves that it will be in place and if it doesn't obviously there will have to be other measures that the canary government will have to consider at that time <laughs> one area of confusion for people is what happens if you break the curfew over the next week yeah. because the supreme court has got a it's got about it's got a return of a ruling this week really so by the by this time next week we will know if it's supported that measure or not anybody who breaks the measure this week and gets fined is in a bit of a difficult situation. We, we have no choice really, but to assume that although the law is currently, let's say in abeyance, if the Supreme Court approves it, it will have been in force. 
And therefore, therefore your fine will be legitimate and you'll have to pay exactly. it. Exactly. So it's better not to risk getting a fine yeah. this coming week. Yeah. Because if the Supreme Court in the next five days says, yes, the law is fine, that fine stands. So it, it really is probably as well to treat the law, even though it's in abeyance, as applying throughout this week. Okay. But in terms of levels and group numbers, that's confirmed already. So the only thing really that is carrying a question mark over it right now is the issue of the curfew but luckily we yes. didn't see in the canary islands the kind of mayhem that erupted in some of the major cities in in the peninsula on saturday night well madrid it was like um new year's eve in in the main in the center of madrid i mean the police were standing there with thousands of people having a, a mega but on and saying well, we can't do anything there's too many of them yeah so there, yeah. there was a party there at least it, at least it broke up in sort of good order whereas in barcelona it ended up in a riot mm. because Again, even if there's no curfew people. there are still for instance restrictions on the number of people who can be in a group and it's like face masks you know it, the end of the estate state of emergency doesn't mean that all bets are off no not all at the all. measures are still in place the state of emergency was merely a legal framework within which health and safety measures were legally existing yeah you take away the framework the measures are still there and I, I, are illegal face masks must anyway. be worn social distancing is still required none of these were obeyed yeah. so of course as, people as the mother of a teen it is one of these days when i thank the lord she doesn't read the daily newspaper because she doesn't <laughs> know the curfew is under question right now She'll find out in school today, no doubt. But it's just like, please let them, please let the curfew stay. It's been such a, such a, I think for parents, it's probably been a very good tool for us as well. Yes. Because, you know, I, we've said this before. I've said it before. I know that they have lost a whole year and a half of, of essential teen hormonal years. But at least with the curfew, you know, they're not getting into too much trouble most of the time yeah. um, and God forbid I wouldn't that that suddenly all goes out the window. It, it is a difficult one isn't it we have said this before periodically we haven't had to deal with anything like this in our lives before yeah. where personal liberty has to be restricted for the to save the lives of so many people I mean look one month look at what's happening in India now yeah and then think back, the, the trouble with the rolling 24-hour news cycle is that one forgets within days what happened a week ago, you know, you just can't remember because there's always constant news. But look at what's happening in India now and then think back a month. They had a Kumbhmela. And a Kumbhmela is a gathering of the faithful that once every 10 year mega celebration of tens of thousands of people in one small area of the Ganges. And encouraged by President Modi, and who is a sort of Bolsonaro, Trumpian type character, populist, Hindu leader, right refusing way. to wear a mask, refusing to obey any. And look at where India is now. And there were people a month ago saying, if you were to design a super spreader event, you would design a Kumila. And you and have just did. done this. Give it, a month, give it a month and India will be devastated. Mm. And look at what's happening. And then you look. With that in your mind, you look at the pictures in Madrid and Barcelona 
and think, oh my God, what is Spain doing? Yeah. But it's not Spain. They're trying to do the best they can. Yeah. It is impossible to control so many people who, for totally understandable reasons, are losing their minds because they're being restricted in a way that none of us have ever had to deal with. It, yeah. These are challenging times. They're very challenging. And I do, God, I mean, I try not to be one of those awfully restrictive parents who says, no, I am right, you're wrong. I know more than you do. I read more because there are times when, you know, the information that is being shared isn't always correct. Sometimes I have to roll back. Um, but, you know, the role of social media as well in this pandemic, because there's the cries from Madrid were libertad, libertad, freedom. Now you kind of think, do you know something, guys? You haven't actually been locked up half as much as a lot of people in a lot of other countries. So where this sense of crying freedom at last is coming from, of course, I guess for one in, in one way, if you're 21 and you want to go out and hang out with your friends, but just give it a bit longer. Don't feel you haven't been locked up um, and incarcerated for months. You've had relatively liberated amounts of freedom compared to a lot of other countries. You know, enjoy that. Yeah, I, I do agree. I do agree. But, there's always a but, I suppose, isn't there? Isn't there? I, I do totally agree, but Southern Mediterranean countries, Southern European countries are very much outdoor societies. Yeah. You know, they, they have relatively small um, living accommodation precisely because they are able to be outside so much. Very often, some of them, particularly in VPOs, in, in what I suppose in the UK, what English language um, listeners might understand as council housing. If you live in one of those here, the chances are you don't even have a balcony. Yeah, yeah. Never mind yeah, a terrace. Yeah. And I, I go outside my door and I'm in my garden and I'm in the mountains and I, I can't even get a sense of what it's like to be restricted. But, it, you know, imagine being in a small flat in a block without even- I suppose, I suppose. A, a balcony to step onto and be unable to go outside. I, I, I do understand how people lose their minds doing that. Yeah. I do get that. Listen, before we go then, Janet, any word on the missing, the two missing girls and their father? This is a story that kind of went around the world last week. If you can just remind people. Yeah, uh, we're 12 days into this now. And a woman called Beatrice Zimmerman has two little girls, Olivia and Anna, who are six years old and one year old. And she was separated from their father, Tomas Jimeno. And he, there was obviously some sort of court arrangement where he could have the girls for a few hours and he collected them one day and didn't return them when he should. 12 days later, police are scratching their heads. They do not know where this man is or these little girls mm -hmm. are. It was clearly well-planned. There was clearly help and a considerable amount of money thrown at the preparations for this. They are currently tracking three yachts going across the Atlantic to South America, well, to the Caribbean or South America. Yes, he had connections in Peru, and it's very difficult to see how he's going to get to Peru because he's either got to go through the heavily monitored Panama Canal or around the Cape of Good Hope, and he only had a little boat. So what they have found is a boat in um, Cape Verde, which is just south a little bit. And they have looked at that, but again, there has been no 
sight of him. There has been no information. The mother, a couple of days ago, said she's obviously clearly convinced that these girls are still alive and that okay. he, the father, is, is keeping them and called on him to let them see her because obviously these are little children. They're one and six years old. They want their mummy. He said they're going to be distressed and please stop messing about, basically. There are rumours today that she has a new relationship with a rather an older um, Belgian man and, and that the father didn't want his daughters brought up or have any association with this man. But, you know, that is no reason, is it, to, to kidnap two children from no. their mother at such an age. And the police just don't know. They're keeping all sorts of ideas open. But these people have vanished. And these days, it is very hard to do that without considerable planning. So he had put a lot of effort into preparing this. And like you say, a lot of money. And a lot of money thrown at it as well. So all one can do is hope that yeah. those two little girls are okay and that things work out best for them. Whatever best is, because none of us know no. the full details of any story. Exactly. But really. we just pray that they're well. As long as the, the girls are well and as content as their circumstances in life allow, then, then you know, that's all one, one wants, really, as long as they're safe. All right. Janet, Janet, to our listeners, we've had a couple of glitches here, so um, yeah. I will try and edit. <laughs> and, and hopefully what you have come to the end of is a beautifully edited uh, <laughs> consciousness from me and Janet today. But we're going to leave it at that because we think we might have more technical glitches if we try to keep going. And it's been quite a serious podcast today. It has, and I'm um, sorry for my own streams of consciousness, but we will rectify the matter with a Eurovision special in the near future. Very soon, very soon. Very soon. <laughs> All right then. Well, I'll talk to you next week, if not before, Janet. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, thank you. 